on this prequel episode, we've got our never-ending story part two fan poll follow-up. We're learning about Kevin Bacon and previewing Stir of Echoes. Hello and welcome back to this film's the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It's another prequel week. We've got a handful of things to talk about. Let's get into our first thing, which is our patron shoutouts. We have no new patrons this week, but we do have our Academy Award winners, and they are Jeff Niederhofer, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Youngs, Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says Black Lives and Trans Lives Matter, Clownhorn Baylor, mostly for their LGBTQ plus policy, but also for beating the Badgers, and Alina Deletkolova. I did Badgers is Wisconsin. I have no idea. That's the basketball turn. I assume they're talking well, about yeah. the basketball tournament. I mean, which I figured it was. About I filled basketball. out a bracket for and remember, zero. I'm in second place in our work really? bracket, but I don't think I. I technically, I guess I could win, but I don't know. I'm in te- second place, but I think the first person's like ahead by a lot. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I did. I don't. I didn't know Baylor had uh, had a, had a weird LGBTQ. Is Baylor a private school? I, have I don't know anything no about idea. Baylor. You're really asking the wrong person all of these questions. Baylor must be a private school, I guess. I don't know. Anyways. All right. Uh, and I can say fuck Baylor because ours is not a safe. Ours is not a uh, ours is an explicit podcast. I assume they may have switched that. They may be a uh, an opening argument arguments patron because they use clown horn in place of oh. expletives. Gotcha. Because they are a, like a non-explicit podcast, and so I'm assuming that may be why that's there. But on ours, we can just say fuck Baylor, which I don't care about Baylor. And if they have a shitty policy, then fuck them. <laughs> All right. We've got our fan reaction for The NeverEnding Story Part 2, the next chapter. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right. So we had some votes. We had some comments. On Facebook... I tried, I did both kinds of poll this mm-hmm. time. And the official Facebook poll got one more vote than my like homemade image poll. So I don't know, I don't know what that means. But neither got very many. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. So I had three total votes That's on so Facebook. Weird. I know. They yeah. were all for the book. Um, and we did have one comment. Um, not necessarily like a follow-up comment, but um, Ian said, in a similar vein to how Captain Hook and Mr. Darling are played by the same actor that's in the stage show, mm-hmm. um, or in Labyrinth, how Sarah's mother ran off with a musician, David Bowie, um, plays Jareth. Uh, what if Clarissa also played Bastian's mother? It would be a sense of familiarity to him, which is why he trusts... Oh, I already forgot how we were pronouncing this. Zaida. And would add a twisted aspect to her manipulation of him, which I think would have been a good route to go. I I actually had that thought while we were recording the episode, and then it got lost in some... And I just thought, like, like, in my head, I was already married to the idea that they were going for, like, the adolescent boy has a crush on an older right. lady angle so i like i like thought of that and then dismissed it <laughs> yeah i was also thinking the other angle they could have done which would have been interesting was 
but I don't know if that works, if it works necessarily, but the other uh, option would have been the, uh, and this would be more similar to the David Bowie one, the, mm-hmm. the woman that um, Bastion's dad is dating, mm, who we actually yeah. never see in the movie, but uh, Station yeah. Wagon Lady, if she had been played by the same actress who plays the... Uh, yeah, that would have been interesting. That would have been a similar. I, I had both of those thoughts. Yeah. I thought either could have potentially worked, but I definitely think that either way, that would have been a much more clear shorthand to explain why he falls in with her so quickly in the movie. Yes, yes, I agree, and I also think it. Well, I don't know if it would have made sense for him falling in with her if it was the the woman he hates who's True. dating, yeah. but <laughs> but if but it was his mom, yeah, if it had been the actress. same actress as his mother, yeah. that would have been, and then we could have had like. Like that third act reveal of like his mother because we don't see her until right. like late in the game. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're right. Things that could have been. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, we had 10 votes. All of them were for the book and several comments. Ian from Wine Country at um, I see Zorro said, I haven't read the book. But the movie had the production value of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and the horrifying feel of Return to Oz. It was 19 kinds of wrong. Sounds like all kinds of right to me, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Shelby Suderman at Shelby Suderman said, There were a few things I liked in the movie, mainly how handsome Dad the Engineer reads along with Bastion's adventures and the audience getting to see Bastion's individual memories. Beyond that, I picked the book because I loved the complexity of the characters, the theme, and the message. The first half had a stronger buildup, and the second half had a better payoff. I also preferred the dynamic and the resolution between Bastion and Atreyu's friendship in the book. Mm-hmm. And Forever Alone Cooking at the number four ever A-L, the number one cooking. There you go said forever owl one cooking (laughs) (laughs) said the german name of the dragon is smarg Mm. um it's s-m-a with an umlaut r-g and it may be a reference to smaug although the closest german word i can think of is smock smauk smauk s-c-h-m-a-u-c-h which is a thick smokeless fire like smolder or smoke from a fired gun barrel. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it makes total sense that they would both be taken from like the same root word. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It definitely seems like they come from the same area. But it would also make sense for Enda to just be referencing Tolkien. Yeah. Yeah, That makes total sense as well. Any of that makes sense. And on Instagram... We had 10 votes for the book and three for the movie, although no one came to the movie's defense. In Back the comments. Out, yes, in the yeah. comments. Back from Neverland said, Katie mentioned that she used to love the princess and the goblin in the prequel episode, and I must say it would be incredible if you all covered that movie slash book. It was my obsession as a child, and the nostalgia upon rewatching is real. I felt things I haven't felt in years. But as to the never-ending story, the first is forever better than the second, only because I can never watch the second without thinking about how much better the cast is in the original. Um, so more of a comparison of, like, the two movies. Yeah. That's fine. Um, we, had, we did have a couple people respond that they also remembered watching The Princess and the Goblin. 
And Austin on Facebook actually shared a link where it's available free through archive.org. Yeah. Uh, and that. I know we had at least one other comment about it, but I can't find it now. Yeah, so it was on some random post somewhere. Yeah, probably on Twitter. Twitter is the worst for trying to go back yeah. and find comments and things. Um, and our last comment on Instagram was from from Corinne Neva, who said, "I'm late to the game, but this movie um, was such a huge part of my childhood. First movie only." My older sister made us act the movie out repeatedly. <laughs> I, the youngest, had to play Falcor. <laughs> my brother had to play the gnome with the telescope. My sister played everything else. <laughs> Super strong sense memory of watching her act out the dad and Bastion with the orange juice. Anyway, <laughs> now I want to read the book. I love that it. Is, speaking as an oldest sibling, that's some very powerful yes. oldest sibling energy. Yeah. You play this dumb gnome. You play Falcor. <laughs> I'm playing every other role. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, like the one scene they remember is a scene where this just it would be the their sibling playing both Bastion <laughs> and the dad. It's the like you know, while they just sit there and watch. Maybe I mean, one of them got to play like... the blender or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> so our listener poll's winner was the book. With 23 votes to the movie's three, which might be the most devastating yeah, pretty, loss ever handed out since we started doing polls. Pretty heavily. Uh, I, I I was one of the movie votes. So. What were you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was just a childhood favorite movie of mine, so I voted. I mean, I'd never read the book, so I think the book is probably better, but I had to, I had to go to bat for the movie. <laughs> All right, that's it for our fan feedback. Thank you, everybody, who uh, leaves those comments and messages us, messages us and all that good stuff. If you want to do it, just follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all those places. That's where we uh, we get your feedback. Uh, it's now time. To, we're doing our first ever Kevin Bacon film, so we're going to learn a little bit about Kevin Bacon. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. So, Kevin Norwood Bacon. That's a good middle name. It's a great middle name. The whole name altogether is really just yeah. chef's kiss. Kevin Norwood Bacon is an American actor who rose to prominence working on films in the early 1980s. Uh, he was born in Philadelphia as the youngest of six children. At the age of 16, he won a full scholarship to and attended the Pennsylvania Governor's School for Arts. Um, which was a five-week arts program. Um, he studied theater while he was there, and that solidified his passion for the arts. And a year later, at 17, he left home to pursue a theater career in where else but New York City. Mm -hmm. I mean, where else do you pursue yeah, a theater career? Very few other places. <laughs> his film debut... In 1978's National Lampoon's Animal House, um, but that didn't lead to big fame, and he continued to act both on stage and in film and television until he started to get bigger breaks in films such as Forty Deuce and Diner in 1982, and of course, 1984's Footloose. Yes. Um, he would go on to have a quite prolific acting career across the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, appearing in films such as She's Having a Baby, A Few Good Men, Mystic River, Frost Nixon, and X-Men First Class, among 
many, many others. I mean, you can't, you, how dare you leave out tremors? That's all I, I'm going to say. I, I literally just went to his IMDb I, and pulled I, I, I understand, but how dare they leave out tremors, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> tremors. It's his best movie. <laughs> uh, he also did vocal work, for example, uh, voicing the title character in a film from our childhood that I remember very mm -hmm. fondly, yep. Balto. Uh, he also made frequent guest appearances on television shows such as Frasier, Mad About You, Will and Grace, again, among many, many others. In 1995, he formed a band called the Bacon Brothers with his brother Michael. They have released six albums. And the trivia fact that everyone's waiting for, mm -hmm. Kevin Bacon is the subject of a trivia game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, based around the idea that due to his prolific screen career that covers a diverse range of genres, um, any Hollywood actor can be linked to another, through another handful of steps um, based on their association with Kevin Bacon. And apparently he was initially dismayed by the existence of this <laughs> trivia game, um, but eventually embraced it. Um, he would go on to reference it in advertising campaigns, um, as well as forming the charitable initiative SixDegrees.org, which is a social networking service intended to link people and charities to each other. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. He didn't like it at first, but he made the most of it. Yeah, and I am, I believe, three. Three degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yes. Uh, I believe, I was talking to Kyle about it yesterday. I don't know who it is, but somebody in Gone Girl mm. was in something with Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not Ben Affleck. He's like, Ben Affleck himself is like three, but... Uh, somebody else, I, there's a million people in Gone Girl, so who knows who. But um, And then, obviously, Kyle would be. So it's it's Kevin Bacon, somebody in Gone Girl, that Kyle. person to Kyle, Kyle to me, so you. the third. Yeah, one, I two, I mean, three. that that makes me also yeah. three degrees yeah. because I also know Kyle. Yes. Although, is it no? It's not no so much as it is, is in, has been in something with. I guess it depends on what you define has been in something with. True. Like, Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad has an IMDb entry, so... That technically counts. <laughs> also, some of our other, I think Limbo, like one of our short movies might. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so I guess that right. still counts. Well, you, I guess if you want to look at it that other way, you've been in stuff with Kyle. That's so what that, I mean. Yeah, yeah that that's what I'm saying. Like good, bad, or bad, bad and stuff. But I've been in this podcast with you, so that just makes me four degrees. Yes. You also, your your voice probably has appeared in an episode of Good, Bad, or Bad, Bad. Probably. Which would then make you three. <laughs> I think it has. I got, It's got to be at some point. I've, I've used your voice over. Yes. Yes. There. I remember what it is now. Not that it matters uh, and not to go too far. <laughs> but there's an episode. I don't remember which one it was. It might be the Demolition High. One of them, you played a teacher. Oh, that's right. Like a, yeah, for I a remember brief that. bit. I think it might have been Demolition High. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you are. There you go. Anyway, back to Kevin Bacon. Uh, he's been married to actress Kira Sedgwick since September of 1988. They met on the set of the PBS version of Lanford Wilson's play Lemon Sky. Uh, they've worked together on several films, um, TV shows, and they also have two children. Mm-hmm. Over the years, Bacon has been nominated for and won a slew of different awards, including a Golden Globe for the miniseries Taking Chance in 2010, 
I was kind of looking at his list, and I think that's like the most kind of prestigious yeah, one. Yeah, he's never won an Oscar. I don't yeah. even know if he's been nominated. No, for I don't an Oscar. think he yeah. has. Um, and I want to end with this quote that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, in 1991, Bacon was quoted in an interview for Cosmopolitan as stating, I wanted life, man, the real thing. The message I got was, the arts are it. Business is the devil's work. Art and creative expression are next to godliness. Combine that with an immense ego, <laughs> and you wind up with an actor. There you go. It's very, uh, <laughs> very honest self-assessment there. He's not taking himself too seriously. No. We like that. Yes, we do. We do like that. <laughs> All right. That's a little bit about Kevin Bacon. Now let's learn a little bit more about the book, A Stir of Echoes. Oh, I saw a guy who got a two-inch needle stuck into his arm while he was under hypnosis, didn't feel king. Okay, Kreskin, prove it. <clears throat> Hypnotize somebody. Yeah, do me. No. Come on. What's the worst that can happen? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Why do I know that song? <laughs> Are you okay? What the hell did she do to me? So the book is a stir of echoes. Mm -hmm. We have one of those situations yeah. where the movie dropped an article. Yeah. Um, but a stir of echoes is a supernatural novel by American writer Richard Matheson, published in 1958. I don't have a ton of facts about the book itself, so I included a few about the author. Yes. <laughs> this isn't his most well-known book. Not that yeah, it's not no. well-known, but he has, oh, you're about to mention yeah, a couple that obviously. Yeah, he has others that are more well-known. More well-known. Uh, so Matheson was uh, the New York Times best-selling author of I Am Legend, Hell House, and What Dreams May Come, among many, many others. This is so, another person with a very prolific career, yeah. but in writing, not in acting. Yeah. Uh, he was named a Grand Master of Horror by the World Horror Convention and received the Bram Stoker Award for Lifetime Achievement. He also won the Edgar, the Spur, and the Writers Guild Awards. In 2010, he was inducted into the Science Fiction Hall of Fame, and he also um, passed away just days before he was due to receive the Visionary Award at the 39th Saturn Awards Ceremony in 2013. Hmm. In addition to his novels and short stories, Matheson wrote several screenplays for movies and TV, including several Twilight Zone episodes and an episode of Star Trek, the original series. I wonder what episode he wrote. Anyways, continue. Sorry. I'm just going to um, Google. <laughs> Stephen King and Anne Rice have both cited Matheson as a creative influence on their own writing. Um, about like, like three-fourths-ish of the way through the book, and I can definitely see the influence that his style had on King. Anne Rice, I am not so sure based on having read this one sample. <laughs> <laughs> not sure I see it. Yeah. Uh, many. Real quick, the, the episode that he wrote is a good episode from my memory. I've seen it once, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it's season one, episode five, The Enemy Within. And if you don't remember the title, that's the one where a transporter splits Captain Kirk into two versions of himself. Interesting. Uh, like a meek and indecisive one. And like the other half is like violent and hmm. like, you know, gung, like the it's like the machismo, ill-tempered side. 
Um, and then they have to figure out how to fix that issue. So sounds very 60s sci-fi. It's very Star Trek. I yeah. mean, uh, uh, transporter episodes are a whole genre <laughs> within Star Trek. And that's maybe the first one with it. Season one, episode five. That might be the first transporter like mm. episode. Like where it's like the, the main plot is based on a transporter yeah. issue. That's early enough. That seems likely. Yeah, I doubt there was one before. Yeah. It, but. Uh, many prominent directors have also lauded Matheson's influence on sci-fi and horror, including Steven Spielberg, Roger Corman, Richard Kelly, and your favorite, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Back to the book. Um, Galaxy reviewer Floyd C. Gale praised the novel, saying Matheson expertly builds a mood of horror and terror that only on one occasion exceeds credulity. 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 I'm just going (laughs) to let you say it. Credulity. There we go. However, uh, American sci-fi author Damon Knight dismissed it as a thin and banal ghost story with side trimmings. Interesting. PSI trimmings. I'm actually not sure. So kind of differing opinions on it. I'm interested to see what that one occasion, I don't know if it'll be the same in the movie, but if like what that, what... I mean, obviously, I just have to assume because I don't know if, they, if we can go look think, up that review and find yeah. a spoiler for what it is or not. But. I don't think I've gotten there yet. Um, hmm. it, like I said, I'm about three-fourths of the way through it. I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like a slow burn, yeah. slow build kind of a thing. I saw some people compare some elements of it to um, The Shining. That's definitely got similar yeah. vibes. It's a very like slow burn kind of descent into madness kind of a thing. So I don't think I have come across the one occasion yet, but I will keep my eye out for it. Interesting. All right, let's go ahead and learn now a little bit about Stir of Echoes, the film. He hasn't gone to work. He sleeps like 12 hours a night. Why are you digging? The man's switch got flipped. He's a receiver now. She's taking him away. She was here. What's the problem? He can't stop it. He can't slow it down. He can't even figure it out. No! Whatever door you open in my mind, I want you to shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. So as you mentioned, Stir of Echoes, they dropped the A, which I think if it was made now, I think they would leave the A. I think they I think probably a Stir would, yeah. of Echoes is a more... To me, it's almost a slightly something slightly more ominous mm-hmm. and definite about it that makes I think, and I also think like with the like a song of ice and fire, I think that naming yeah, trend is for a little sure. more popular now than it was in the '90s in terms of like mainstream stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think they would call it a stir of echoes now. But anyways, it is a 1999 film written and directed by David Kep. Uh, who uh, he didn't direct a ton of stuff, but he did write a bunch of stuff. And he wrote Jurassic Park, Spider-Man, the 2002 uh, Tobey Maguire mm. um, one, Mission Impossible, the 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 first, uh, the, the one in the 90s with Tom Cruise, the first one of those, uh, War of the Worlds, and a handful of other things that I, there was a ton of things that I didn't list. That's but, a pretty impressive resume. Yes, yeah, and mostly as a writer. Like yeah. I said, he directed, this is like his biggest movie he directed, it seemed like from what I could see, um, but he wrote a bunch of stuff. Um, it stars Kevin Bacon, Catherine Irby, uh, Alina, 
Ileana, probably Douglas, Jennifer Morrison and Kevin Dunn. Uh, Jennifer Morrison is the only other person I recognize. Well, sorry, that's not true. Kevin Dunn. I know that actor. I've seen him in stuff. Um, And I think I've recognized the faces of a couple other people. But uh, Jennifer Morrison has been in a fair number of things. Uh, Maybe most people might know her most as, uh, I believe, Snow White. And no, she's not uh, Snow White. Not um, Snow White. She's like a. She's like an original character. She's oh, not she? like a fairy tale character. I thought she was in, uh, in Once, Upon, uh, a Once Time. Upon a Time. I thought she was. Okay. Anyways, I thought she was. At least the... as far as I made it into Once Upon a Time, I which is roughly she was four seasons. Like Snow White, but no. I uh, uh, it doesn't. matter. What's her name? Is Snow White? Okay, so never mind. I I actually ever never watched it, so I've seen like a, a handful of episodes, <laughs> so I don't really know. <laughs> Uh, Star of Echoes is rated 68% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 67% on Metacritic, and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. So pretty good reviews overall. Had a budget of $12 million and made $21.1 million. Roger Ebert wrote that Kevin Bacon, quote, stars in one of his best performances and that, quote, Kep's screenplay dovetails the supernatural stuff with developments among the neighbors, which are wisely more sad and tragic than sensational. So uh, Ebert was a fan, uh, which to me, I've come to realize means very little. (laughs) (laughs) Kep is a big Richard Matheson fan. And after deciding he wanted to take his uh, that he wanted his next project to be a horror film and that he loved Matheson's work specifically on the Twilight Zone, Kep purchased a copy of A Stir of Echoes from a used bookstore. Uh, fell in love with the book and then wrote a screenplay based on it. Kep was extremely nervous, apparently, to show Matheson the changes he made to the story. Uh, he, he sent him the script asking for feedback, mm. and he was, like, very nervous about it. But Matheson responded positively to the draft and, into, and gave his approval for the project and said, quote, I'm sure he's done a good job of it. I do know what he's done before, and it's quite good. He has a very good touch. <laughs> so... Uh, so then we get into some IMDb trivia fun facts, or this might be from Wikipedia still, but uh, some some fun facts about the actual production here. Uh, so there's a scene in the movie where Kevin uh, Bacon extracts a tooth, apparently, mm. uh, and this was inspired by a nightmare nightmare that Kep had about dying of old age, uh, and this was achieved actually with a practical effect. Kep told Entertainment Weekly, quote, we blacked out Kevin's tooth and built a cap to go over it. So he's pulling out a cap that comes off fairly easy and he gives some grunts and groans. And we added grotesque crunching flesh noises while he's pulling out the tooth. He's also palming a real tooth in his other hand to drop into the sink. He drops the real tooth. uh, We tilt down to see it. And then somebody darted in from off camera with a washcloth and wiped the blood off Kevin's face. So when he looks back up into the mirror, his face and teeth are clean. So some clever uh, sleight of hand and uh, all done practically, which hmm. I thought was cool. Uh, so kind of look when you're watching the film, look out for that scene. I'm sure it's <laughs> very uh, I'm memorable. I'm sure we won't miss it. Yeah. Uh, so in 2007, Stir of Echoes The Homecoming was released as an American television movie uh, made by Lionsgate uh, as a sequel to this Why film. Why does that feel very <laughs> 2007? Yes. <laughs> uh, premiered on the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, and it was originally titled The Dead Speak, written and directed by Ernie Barbarash, and its only connection to the previous work is the inclusion of Jake Witzke, who had a key role in the original film, but is a secondary character here. Hmm. So it's not really connected so yeah. much. But they, they just kind of use the, the name, name on yeah. it. Gotcha. Uh, so there's now this is IMDb fun trivia facts. Uh, there's a hypnotism scene in the movie, uh, a flashback scene, and there's a scene of a safety pin being stuck through Tom's hand. I don't know who Tom is. It's the character's name. Is that Kevin Bacon? I mean, 
in the book, it's the main guy. Like, it, yeah, it would be Kevin Bacon's character. I His don't name's know. Tom. Yeah. Okay. I so don't then, know if they made any changes. But. Well, I would assume that's it then. Uh, and this is apparently not a special effect in the movie. A stuntman was paid to come in and have a safety pin pushed through his hand for the scene. Uh. And now I don't know if that's a stuntman. That's all the detail I could find. There are like magicians and stuff who have done tricks essentially like basically who have a tricks where they've 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 built up scar tissue by mm-hmm. pushing basically piercing parts of their body like in weird places so similar to how your ears pierced and you can push right. a piece of metal through and it doesn't hurt or anything you can do that in other places like through light like larger like parts of your body like through <laughs> your uh even through like your torso there's like magicians in the past who've like pushed like small swords like through you know like their their rib cage and stuff and it's they built up like a that literally like very risky it is but it's it's something you can do right. uh, it's just like a weird you know carnival trick type of thing i don't know if that's what this was or if literally the guy was just like yeah fine just push a safety pin through Look, my hand man, i'll be just fine sterilize it yeah. first <laughs> yeah uh so when they're setting up the scene where maggie leaves jake at her relative's house it was realized that they'd gone over the hours uh for the child actor who plays jake uh, because they've, you know, obviously child labor laws. So the crew members apparently had to run from house to house in the neighborhood looking for a child who was roughly the same age and looked enough like him uh, to appear in the film for a brief scene to complete a shot. And they had to give him they got they had to get the parents permission and give the kid a quick haircut and Gosh. put him in this one scene so they could do this one shot because they couldn't use it. The other the, the actual child actor any longer that day. Which I think is a is a fun. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Yes, for I, sure. Uh, it's the scene where Maggie leaves Jake at her relative's house. See if you can spot the stand-in <laughs> child. Uh, there's apparently a scene where Tom gets angry after digging in the backyard and then kicks a bucket towards a wall. Uh, and this is sort of like the uh, the Viggo Mortensen breaking his foot <laughs> moment on the on the helmet in Lord of the Rings. Um, it wasn't intended for him to kick the bucket and hit a, for it to hit a window and break the window, but it was a happy accident. And uh, Kevin Bacon stayed in character, so they use that scene in the movie. There's a scene where he kicks a bucket; it breaks a window. They didn't mean to break the window, but so Kevin Bacon is it. basically Aragorn. <laughs> ba- basic. I mean, a little different. He didn't break his foot; <laughs> he broke a window. So, but yeah. Uh, and then my final note here, which I thought was fun, is there's uh. People have wondered how there's a scene apparently where uh, some character, a ghost, may I don't I don't know anything about the movie, where um, this character does a like creepy like ghost walk thing, mm-hmm. and people have speculated about how they shot it, and the what, what I thought was interesting is the way they actually filmed this is the actress and I believe it's um, Jennifer Morrison is walking as normally as possible as slowly as possible. Hmm. And then they speed the footage up and all of the little imperfections in the way she's because she's like moving, you know, as slow as she can, but walking. Yeah. And then because you can't do that naturally, like you can't walking super slow-mo naturally. When you speed the footage up to normal speed walking, it has all these weird like twitches and you know it like yeah, adds like this twitches weird and jerks and, and like little little tiny subtle uh imperfections in the way you're walking that make it look really creepy when sped up hmm. so there look out for a scene i believe it is jennifer morrison's character um uh yeah she does like a weird ghost Doing walk that creepy thing. walk no that's how they did that so there you go those are all my fun facts for stir of echoes where 
can you watch it? As always, check your local library, or if you still have a local video rental store, check with them. You can stream it for free with ads on the Roku channel, Tubi, or Plex. So that's fun. You can also stream it with a subscription from Hoopla, or rent it for 2 to $4 from Redbox, Apple TV, Amazon, Fandango, Now, Vudu, DirecTV, etc. Uh, those are uh, probably YouTube, I would imagine, too. So those are all the places you can watch Stir of Echoes. But yeah, Roku channel. We have a Roku. Well, we, we don't. Do. It's not plugged in, but we have one. We do have a Roku. We'll figure out. Maybe we can get it on our TV. Maybe we can get Tubi on our TV. I actually don't know if Tubi has an app. We've watched stuff through Tubi before. Have, not on have our TV. Not? Yeah, we have. Not on this we TV. Watched, well, no, not on this TV. I'm just wondering if it has an app. Oh, I've watched it on my computer. They have a website. I assume they have an app. Anyways, we'll look at. We'll I assumed look it was the Tubi app we were using on the old TV. Well, it was on. It would have been on the Roku. Oh. And I don't know if. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the details of what TV we have and what apps are available on it. Because the because the sci-fi app is not available on our TV. Right. Because it's an LG or what. Anyways, and I don't know. So we'll we'll find out if the Tubi <laughs> app is available. Uh, but those are all the places you can watch it. Uh, I'm excited because I've heard it's good. Uh, April said she, last time when she was on that it, she thought it was a good movie. Remembered it being good. Yeah. Uh, and it, like I said, it's got good reviews. Uh, and we haven't, it's been a while since we've done like a horror mm-hmm. thriller. Um, yeah, we haven't done one since uh, Halloween. Yeah, was it The Shining? The last, I think so, yeah. Probably the last one. So back to back, not back to back, but similar ish maybe movies <laughs> um, for our two most recent horror films slash those. All right. That's going to do it for this prequel episode. Uh, we also wanted to mention before we go that we are recording a bonus episode for Patreon. Uh, it is a, a, a bonus review of Tyler Perry's Acrimony. We're recording that. It'll be out the day after you, this prequel episode is up most likely. Um, so if you support us for $5 or more on Patreon, you'll have access to that. We'll also mention it on the main episode. If you're already not listening, but you wouldn't be hearing this, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but it's going to be a, uh, it's a fun one. It's like a, if you wanted a good, bad, or bad, bad episode, but a podcast episode, that's probably what you're going to get. So it's uh, something else. I organized our notes for this episode earlier today, and I kept laughing because we're both just really funny. This is true. We're very funny. Very funny people. So... <laughs> Look out for that over on Patreon. Uh, and until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being awesome. awesome.